Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Under Consultation Series 6 Wrap-Up Episode, the episode-by-episode podcast-type situation through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and I have had a proper shitstorm of a day, so I'm dead looking forward to doing this with you lot. As am I. I've also had a shitstorm of a day, and that's why I'm having a beer on a Monday, Luke. Same Z's, Ash. Also, and because it's the Series 6 wrap-up episode, as is tradition, we do tend to have a beer on the wrap-up episodes. And it's nice, the second uh, series in a row, that we're doing this as a community-based podcast with our wonderful Patreon backers over at patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod, where we've got some people in the chat. I can see John in there. I can see I am Cheadle, Peter. I can see Sean, Matty Boo. I can see everyone in here having fun, getting their comments in as we go uh, recap Series 6, have all of our awards, hand out our awards, and go through your listener feedback. Indeed, I'm really excited to do this. I'm glad we're doing it as a community podcast again. In some ways, I think we originally thought we'd do this as a live stream, like kind oh, yeah. of for Series 5, because we're like, oh, it'll be easy. And yet, and still like three hours of rendering time in Adobe After Effects, creating the little audiograms for the audio feedback, uh, creating new surrounds based off our OBS theme for UCP Live 2.0. I think it would have been less work just to record this, me and you, Luke. Well, I think as well, with Series 5, we were pretty much down to the wire of getting it out. So I think it was like, well, I think we're probably better at it. Doing it as a live show will actually be a much easier time. But yes, you're right. Uh, as per usual, it would have just been easier had we not done 
and with uh, this lot watching us. Now I've got to point out things that they say. Look at John there. He's got Italian organic soda. I've got to say that now. That's a good 30 seconds of this podcast wasted because I had to point that out. It's good content, Luke. It's good seas. <laughs> it is the best of seas. So, yeah, if you are new to the podcast, although I'd, I don't, I don't, well, I actually haven't said that. We've been told by people who joined our podcast from Series 6 onwards and then going back to listen to older episodes. But if you are joining us and this is your first wrap-up show, the way that this works is that myself and Ash will go through our favorite challenges, our least favorite challenges, the Annabelle Croft Award for favorite celebrity, the Ashley Pasca Award for worst celebrity, talk about our favorite features, features that we weren't overly keen on, and really our general thoughts around Series 6, which we've had this in the feedback there's a line in particular in one of the bits of feedback that we've got so i'm gonna give a shout out to misha for this which is that like series two is often held up as the like the best of games master because it's like peak 16-bit console era it's mega drive it's snares it's really good arcade games and this that and the other and sort of the amiga is still there and whatnot but if you kind of take off the nostalgia glasses pound for pound I really do think that Series 6 of Games Master is the apex of this series. I really do think this is the best the show ever comes out as. I've got a point counterpoint on this. I think that the highs and lows of Series 6 for the most part are not as high as some other series and are not as low as some other series, but it's more even. And I think that's what makes it perceivably the best series of Games Master. It's not that all the challenges are great. It's not that a lot of the challenges are bad. Same with the features. It's that it's actually fairly even. And in fact, when you look at some of the categories we've got coming up, like the uh, the worst feature or the worst challenge or the worst celebrity, they're not as bad as some of the celebrities we've had on previous shows, like even nope. the one that I've chosen for my worst celebrity, and I suspect you have as well. And in fact, I already know some of our listeners have chosen as their worst celebrity. It's not even because the challenge is bad. It's because he's a shit. It, it's that, and the challenge is bad as well, in, in fairness to the man. Well, we'll get to that uh, when we get to it. But like, I, I mean, on that feature point, I, I was going to raise this a bit later on. I actually really struggled to find the worst feature from Series 6 because you're right, like they are either really, really good or just okay. I mean, my biggest takeaway I had when I've been sort of, you know, spending some time today, re you know, rethinking Series 6 and looking back at my notes and just sort of like my general thoughts on things. And I think the reason why I like Series 6 so much is that while it is still childish, it is still Dom and Mate's era of Games Master. This is still quite a, it's lads in their 20s being a bit immature. It's not as immature as Series 5. And because of that, like, you know, when I was looking back at Series 5, it's Baby Rom, the internet, setting up a PC, Director's Lab, Virtual Pool. It was like a bunch of cack stuff in Series 5. The wallet is way better than Series 4. Series 6, basically, is all of the best moments of Series 5 across an entire series, as opposed to being spread out across Series 5. And I think that it's a show that really grew up in a very short space of time. This is the note I've written down. It feels like a proper show now. It does. I would use the phrase grew up in oh, Bucky O'Hare. Yeah. It's still it's still childish and immature. It's just not as childish and immature as it was one series previous. It knows where it's at. And whilst it does have some jokes that really haven't aged well, like a fine murder, 
to use one of your expressions, there are slightly less cringe moments than earlier mm -hmm. series. It's funny as well when, you know, we've just said then that there's less cringe moments, and there's less like bad moments. Arguably, this series has the worst moments in Games Master history. That is like, it's, you know, as, as Cliff points out there, this is the remembered series and it's remembered for that moment which is like you know certainly on reflection certainly doing the podcast easily the low the the lowest of the low points that games master ever had is it lower than michael jackson versus macaulay culkin <laughs> yeah because that was just show thinking it was funny and realizing it's not whereas i think the super mario 64 incident is genuinely quite terrible and you know, considering how much I used to watch that clip and think it was really funny, and you and I have made jokes and made references throughout this series run, getting to it in timeline genuinely does feel uncomfortable now. I do wonder, would we have done, would we have reached a point where you asked me if I wanted to do this podcast, and here we are 150 plus episodes later, without Mario 64, we'd still remember it, we'd still remember the show, but without the Dave Perry incident, it's kind of kept it always just bubbling under the consciousness of the internet. And right from when we started, people were going, oh, Dave Perry or Dexter Fletcher. It was those two kind of Absolutely. anchor points and a couple of very confused people that went, why was there a church on an oil rig? But that was a separate issue. Yeah, we used to get a lot of comments of, oh, when you get to the Dex series, that'll be rough. Or, oh, when are you going to get to the Dave Perry series? And the answer to those were, were simple enough. The Dex series wasn't as bad as everyone thought it was. And we'll get to the Dave Perry bit when we get to the Dave Perry bit in Timeline Order. This is a Timeline Order podcast. We reach it when we reach it. I think my big just general thought on Series 6, and it's particularly hit home today, and I exchanged some messages with you earlier, is I'm kind of sad. Mm -hmm. Because with a couple of kind of bulk record days, we'll be done with Series 7. It's 10 episodes. We could clear all of Series 7 in two and a half to three recording days. Yep, easily so. If we, had, if we do our big bulk record days, it's nine episodes and a clip show. To the point where I think actually Episode 10 will be the most difficult episode to do because I want it to mean something and I don't know what that means yet. I'm sure no. we'll find it as we go along. I'm sure we'll work out what we do for episode 10 of series seven. We kind of had this in series five when we had the Christmas clip show, but the Christmas clip show was also, you know, there was some knob gags in there. It was Dominic Diamond and, and the angels having Christmas dinner and things like that. This is just sort of like a sentimental look back on a show as it's being deconstructed around its host. So I haven't actually watched the final episode of Games Master since crikey it's been a good actually i know exactly the last time i watched it when it was the free dvd with games master magazine that would have been the last time i saw that episode and that was years upon years upon years ago i didn't think i was even at university then i was still at school so that's a long old time ago it's going to be an interesting point to reach but that is in our future luke and we already did a whole bunch of gags about back to the future at the live show which <laughs> patrons will hear the day after this is recorded unless they were at the live show in which case they will hear it again the day after this is recorded Shall we move on? Indeed, yes. Well, I mean, shall we have the uh, an introduction, not just from us, but from some of our moderators, the Modlins, if you will? Dada see, and Dada see. Dommy, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day under the... What's all this blubber? Quit with the bluster. Just chat to me. 
Hello! It's Series 6 wrap-up with the the undermod sortation slash modlins slash whatever we are now. Hello, guys. Modlins. He's named as Modlin. I'm Matty. I'm the Mod Daddy, or rather the Modlin Daddy, as I've now been renamed. And uh, somehow I've been shanghaied into this conversation again, despite doing 13 hours work today, because I'm nuts. I'm mental. I'm Sarah, um, aka Pink Lithium. I am another Modlin, um, the little chaos demon that causes a little bit of trouble in the Discord. Hi. <laughs> and I am Cliff Foster, aka the amazing Cliff on the old Twitter. So we are here today, guys, to talk about Series 6. It's mm-hmm. so ruddy close to the end now, but Series 6, one of my favourite series, as I've said before, Series 5, Series 6. Series 7, these are the series I remember. So let's start the ball rolling. Least favourite moments. And because I've got psychic powers, I think, I think I can see what's going to happen here. So after three, we are going to say our least favourite moment or person in this is. So three, two, one. Yuri Geller. Geller. T- I tell you what, guys. I felt, I, I felt a connection then. I felt a connection. <laughs> Was it the aliens, Cliff? Was it the aliens <laughs> that were talking to you from outer space? I thought aliens poked people. Were they poking the idea in there? With bent spoons <laughs> into my into my cranium. That's what it is. So yeah, Yuri Geller. And the mind drive, that skiing game of just, I hated this. It was utterly cringe, the whole thing. I don't know if Don was serious about it or it was just one giant Mickey take, but it was just, as a viewer watching it, I didn't like him as a teenager. Never liked Yui Geller. Even before I learned how much of a gigantic knob he was. And yeah, feel free to edit all of this out, you know, just in case he tries to sue us. Um, but even as a kid, couldn't stand him. Could not stand him. What? What's this tosser doing bending spoons? And that was me age five. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like the only spoon bender should be Kadabra, the Pokemon. But Yuri Geller comes across just as cringe. And like, I was reading in the book, and Dom literally said this. It says, fake news, the strongest mind on the planet. People ask if this challenge was genuine. I am too scared of Yuri's power to ever <laughs> comment. He could tweak my hamstring with a mere thought. <laughs> or, or sue you. <laughs> that, yeah. That's more, more like. Because once it's published in a book, oh, ah, that's the fodder for some jury out there. I'd just like to point out the Modlins are a separate legal entity from under consultation. So, Yuri, if you're listening, tweak their hamstrings, not ours. We hold no responsibility for what the Modlins say. We just give them cloaks. You mentioned that. Obviously, the Modlins, the name came from UCP Live 2, where they were berobed and assisting us. And I want to give a special shout out to Sarah, who was our platinum floppy bearer, bringing them up when people did actually win them. We were worried at the beginning but we did actually have calls for them to be brought to the stage and the reason i want to give a special shout is i had to order those cloaks relatively last minute 
entirely my own fault. And because they're Chinese sizing, I just had to guess. And to say that even the smallest one was a little bit large on Sarah is a slight understatement. And at no point did she stack it. So, you know, round of applause for Sarah for not stacking it as our modelling uh, floppy bearer. The only modelling that really stacked it was Cliff himself. And it was not even a point when he was carrying uh, a, a, the uh, the platinum floppy down to down the gantry. He just stacked it with regardless. But anyway, I mean, like our, our modlins. Thank you as well to our modlins. It's not the only time you're going to hear from them on this show as well. We've got them split up throughout um, uh, throughout this episode. But they've also jumped ahead to their least favorite moments. But we're a positive group, Ash. We like to start off with our favorite challenge from series six. So Ash, kick us off. What was your favorite challenge from this series? Ah, this is going to kind of, I guess, I don't know, go a bit go against what I said the other week, but precluding that one, I'm going to go with Tetsujin and Virtua Fighter 3. Greetings. You are my challenger. Will today take the first Iron Man test to be held in the UK. In accordance with the strict laws of this ancient event, You'll have to beat 90 out of the 100 opponents I've gathered to play you here today. You'll have no second chances. There'll be no excuses. 90 must fall. Because it was an immense spectacle, even if it was gimmicked, even if multiple kids were fighting the Tetsujin multiple times. It was just so much fun. It was so different. It was kind of a last hurrah for Dave Perry, and he actually did do some really, really good presenting and hosting there, something that he should definitely be proud of. And just the entire episode felt like an event. I, I would say so, yeah. Like, I had Tetsujin uh, in my, like, list of possibilities. I I, I, th I saved it for a different moment later um, because I, I love the challenge. Of the, and I think we said on the episode, a great episode as well, because we did that with, uh, with Mike from Outside Xbox. And it was really fun as well because we talked about on there that it's, you know, it was a brilliant gimmick in that, you know, it's it's one lad taking on 100 people. The difference is, is that the 100 people were school children, so it actually wasn't that too much of a difficult feat for him. I think for me, the, the Tetsujin challenge from Virtual Fighter 3 is perfected in Series 7. Like the final big thing we get in Series 7 is like the perfect version of the Tetsujin challenge. I'm very... I mean, you already... This will be coming after the UCP Live episode where, looking into our future, that was my challenge of Series 7. That's Episode 9. I am so looking forward to getting to that episode because there's a lot of meat so to great. get into there a lot of a lot of good stuff but um but yeah tetsujin is mine with the honorable nod to mario 64 not that mario 64 the good mario 64 challenge because for such an iconic game it deserved a prominent place in series six and it got it twice once for the yeah. game and the other for something else what about you? I've gone slightly differently, I think. And I, you know, I've written down one. What I thought I've said was my favorite challenge, but I'm actually going to change my mind here because I've, 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 I'll save that for a different point. And last week on the, the UCP live episode, I said that it was Street Fighter Alpha 2. And I do love that Street Fighter Alpha 2 challenge. And I really do think that is my favorite challenge. It was a toss up between that and Ridge Racer Full Scale. And I think the only reason Ridge Racer Full Scale has kind of jumped back into me is because it's been in the news recently of like, you know, the last remaining ones that we still have in the country that are working. So I, I kind of went back and revisited because I edited a video to put up onto our Twitter feed to kind of show off the challenge in that. And 
I was kind of just reminded about how great of a challenge was. It's also the only challenge in Series 6, apart from the EF2000 one, and even some of that's in, in studio. It's outside of the game's master sphere. It's it's filmed at an arcade. They've got like a roving camera team doing this challenge. One of the mermaids is off location. She's offset and in the real world, which we haven't really seen since the, the goblins tore up Virgin Megastore in Series 4. So there's kind of a lot of delight about Ridge Racer full scale, but I but I am sticking to my conviction to what I said last week. I love, 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 love the Street Fighter Alpha 2 Challenge. My first event is on a game that's attracted an unparalleled following amongst new and diehard game fans, Street Fighter. Today, I've invited four players to discover who really is the master of this most demanding game. Each will play a round against the computer as Ken. The one who takes longest to dispense with the computer opponent will be eliminated. The remaining players will fight again until one player has proved they are the most devastating fighter. How are you, Ken? I think it is a brilliant challenge that has got a great central gimmick, and it has got some really good drama and a brilliant final round that really takes you on a journey because even on commentary, they were like, this lad is destined to win and he absolutely biffs it and it makes for a beautiful little finale to the the ending i yeah i'm, I'm going with street fire alpha 2 as my favorite challenge of the series just to pick up on something said in chat by peter and just talking about the amazing amazement of where the fighting community is nowadays uh something you will have already heard by the time this gets released wow time's confusing is i love Evo. I love the fighting game community. I love watching those because, you know, I'm a Street Fighter player. I'm not a FIFA player. I'm not a Dota player. I'm not any of those. But I can watch someone playing Street Fighter and go, well, maybe if I just gave up sleep and work and personal hygiene, maybe I could get this good. I love watching it, but also at the same time, I love how different this is. I love that it's doing something unique. It's taking the idea of taking fighting game experts and just going, nah, it's not just you against each other. It's it's a it's a speed run. It's the only time I can think of it happening. Certainly in Games Master, yeah. Like it's it's such a weird little way to do it. Like I one of my favorite challenges from series three is that weird Mario All Stars challenge. That's actually quite rubbish because really it's not thought out at all. This is a sort of version of that that works. And yeah, I, I really, really, really dig that challenge. I think it is a cracking... And I love Street Fighter Alpha 2. Uh, we mentioned this on, on last week's episode, but yeah, I, the Alpha series is outside of like main Street Fighter 2 is my favorite of the street fighter run and i it's alpha alpha 3 in particular is the one i'll always go back to given the opportunity well let's head on over to our modlins to see what they think of it and uh, unfortunately i cannot promise that there won't be any potential slander in this clip or at worst any more of cliff singing let's go on to people that we loved so what who was your favorite celeb and I think yet again, because I've still somebody, I've still got a teaspoon jammed in my ear, and it hasn't got chili bloody sauce this time. Um, I can predict that we are going to p- say the same person again. So after three, three, two, Zoe. Zoe Ball. Oh. That wasn't as in synergy, but it, it's still a got there. Zoe Ball was oh, wicked. Oh, Zoe Ball. Zoe Ball. Zoe Ball. <laughs> Zoe Ball. <laughs> On the BSB of your sky there, Cliff. 
<laughs> Zoe Ball was bloody wicked in this series. I loved how she was just completely got it and just went with it. She was like this bundle of energy that are oh, just brilliant. Absolutely superb guest. She was the shining light of what I thought was actually a really episode of Games Master because I, 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 I'm a, I'll admit it. I'm a bit of a feminist. And so these blokes all dressing up as women and taking the piss, I didn't enjoy. But her basically uh, basically reviewing Dom and talking about his panty liner and all of that. Mm. And of course, she likes it in the rear. That's, you know, <laughs> which means she understood the mission statement. She totally understood it. What a trooper. She really did just get the humour of the show. She went in like, I'm going to have a good time. I get what this is about. While you've seen some other celebrities, they're just like, I don't know why I'm here. What happened to my career? <laughs> but she really, she she got it. Because again, this season's a bit like it's Dom and the lads, but Zoe's humour were like, no, I, I can be one of the lads. I get this. It mm -hmm. was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant to see. No, totally agree. And that sort of, it's not even that lad, obviously, with of that era of the ladette culture. It's not that mm. she's just incredibly cool. There's something yeah. about her that is just incredibly cool. They basically, they, 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 do, they do a repeat run of what they tried to do with Samantha Fox, mm. I think. Only Samantha Fox, by this point, was just, I wouldn't say she's sick and tired of it, but she knew what she was getting into and it was like, Okay, I guess. Whereas Zoe Ball's like, yeah, get in, like it in the rear. <laughs> We're talking about my bum. Things might go in it. Fuck <laughs> <But> humor. <laughs> I tell you what, next time, when we get to the end of Series 7, I genuinely think we will just release a bonus episode called Under Mod Saltation because it's growing every time. The original feedback MP3 was 20 minutes, and I'm like, can you guys just cut this into chapters so we can sprinkle it throughout? Because uh, that's not me complaining. Genuinely, if they send through a half an hour thing next time, I'm just like, you know what? Bonus episode. There you go. That just gets dropped out for free. Here's the thing people keep asking, you know, what is next for UCP once you reach the end of Games Master? And I think you've now got your answer. It's actually, we're just going to hand the reins over to Cliff, Matty and Sarah, and they can just do the whole show all over again. It's cheaper than AI generated content. Yeah. And I mean, actually, I was about to say it'll be harder to edit, but, you know, I won't have to do any of the hosting. So maybe that'll be like a little reward. No, no, no. They have to edit it themselves oh i mean which case is even better then i mean i just reap the rewards yep we we profit step one do a podcast step two give it to the moderators step three profit i like it well let's move on to our worst challenge a least favorite challenge from series six uh, I found this a lot harder than I did with series five as i, I sort of mentioned earlier because again kind of like a lot of the features there are challenges that are bad, but there's not like as many. So it was kind of like, I found it hard to sort of like pinpoint which one I thought was the worst. So that makes sense. The problem I've got is I had to stop looking at which challenges were bad from a gameplay point of view and just look at the ones that annoyed me the most. And unfortunately, a lot of those challenges are less to do with the challenge and more to do with the people playing them. Because the obvious one, a guy we've mentioned already and trying to avoid lawsuits from, is Mind Drive and Yuri Geller because the entire thing is a scam. Then you've got Destruction Derby 2, which is annoying because the person playing it is just kind of meh, doesn't want to be there. Ah, 
I think I'm going to go with a controversial choice, which is Wave Race 64. It's time to get all wet now, as my next challenge is on the Nintendo 64 jet ski game, Wave Racer. Each contestant will attempt to score the maximum points on two separate tracks as they churn across the water. Time is short, and they'll have to reach the extension points if they want to stay in the money. Surf's up. Ooh, because I quite liked that one. Hear me out. The reason I do not like this is because it just constantly reminds me how pigging annoying it is that Wave Race 64 does not have head-to-head -head racing. Because what you actually get where you should have two guys that know each other racing head-to-head -head, and it's a really, really cool, exciting thing is you've kind of got two time trials and it really, really undoes the tension. And so it's just a case of, here's a couple of lads playing Wave Race. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. So I, I really liked the Brotherhood, so I think that kind of helped me with the, the challenge a little bit. And I mean, we kind of said on the episode as well, one of them it was clearly into it more than the other. And I think had they been on a different type of game, maybe it would have been a different kind of story. But yeah, I, I quite liked uh, the, the Wave Race 64. I definitely did not have it in the conversation of, of worst challenges, but I totally see why, because all it does is actually just highlight that why is this console with four ports in the front has a racing game, but its first racing game that isn't a four-player game is actually a really stupid thing when you think about it. Yeah, it's not because it's a bad challenge. It's not because it's a bad game. It's the worst challenge because it highlights a limitation in a game that should be showing off the possibilities of this new console. It would be like, I don't know, showing off the power of PlayStation using only the loading game from Ridge Racer. Yeah, I get that. I went with a slightly different uh, route, CU. So, I mean, obviously, the, the second Mario 64 challenge is, is certainly within the conversation for me. And I actually, and the reason why I had this next one down, this isn't my pick, but I wrote down Sega Worldwide Soccer 97. And the only reason I picked that is because I totally forgot it had happened. When I was going back to the episode, I was like, oh, yeah, there was a football tournament in this series and i'd completely forgotten that it happened because it's incredibly forgettable and i also had destruction derby 2 down but my winner for the worst challenge of series 6 goes to super ef 2000s for this event i have found a plucky flying ace to take on three opponents in different parts of the country on the network game ef 2000 tucked snugly into his cockpit. My contestant will need plenty of British spunk if you to avoid going down with three murderous opponents. Talks away, lads! It is a good idea, and it's brilliant that it's showing what early online gaming looked like. It was just totally the wrong game to show off. And it's quite boring. And it feels like the, the guy that they've got in studio is good at it, but the other three aren't. So I just like it's I, I think it's like the 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 idea behind the challenge was incredibly solid. It was just completely the wrong game to choose. I mean, I'm sure there was a degree of excitement for the people playing it, but it didn't make great spectator sport. Also, I do wonder, as I think we kind of touched on in the episode is the guy in the studio is probably on maybe an ISDN line, so kind of a much higher quality line than the guys at home would have, much higher speed. 
and so latency is less of an issue. And I, I don't know, part of me thinks that might be a factor, but also then I look at the challenge again itself and I'm just like, eh, it would have been closer if it had just been a case of, oh, they whiffed it because, you know, there was lag, essentially. It's a shame because that could have been such a great challenge with either different players on the remote end or a different game. Yeah, like, you know, uh, Quake, for example, or something along those lines. Like, I think, well, you know, Doom, in, in a way, but I suppose that is more land than it is anything else. But, like, I just Dark think... Horses. Yeah, exactly. Like, something that was a bit more action-packed because it was supposed to be three versus one, but it ends up just being one hunting down three one by one. And, like, they never have the big crossover that you're expecting, so it just doesn't quite work. And it's it's... It's not even like it's a... I'm not saying it's a terrible challenge. This isn't baby ROM. This isn't anything like that. It's just... It's not as good as it could have been. Like, I think, like, Rick's comments about it kind of sums it up for me. It was a bit crap. Bit being the key word there. It wasn't crap. It's a bit crap. I do love how you're just bar standard for it's a <laughs> challenges, baby ROM. You just well, it can't the, let it go. It's the worst of the worst. It is like it's arguably worse than the Dave Perry incident. Oof. I I don't know. I got more laughs out of it than I did out of the Dave Perry incident. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I got nothing out of either. Um, but here are people we did get something out of because it's time to hand out the Annabelle Croft Award for Favourite Celebrity on Games Master. We've heard from our modlins earlier who picked out Zoe Ball. Ash, whom do you have? Well, I'm going to start with an honourable mention because he came very late in the series, had as much of a clue as to what was going on as Patrick Moore did. And that is Michael Fish, mm. who turned up and just gave it his best shot and had a good old giggle. He didn't win the joystick. He didn't do the challenge. But he he, he was bewildered, but looked to be having a good time being bewildered. So I want to give him the honourable mention. Beyond that, and beyond Zoe Ball, that's obviously already picked, I'm going to go with Paul McKenna because he was just so Good. Mr. McKenna, I'm sure we have a lot of people watching themselves would like to be hypnotists. What, uh, how do you become a hypnotist? Well, the way I did it was went and found one of those dusty old books, you know, the leather-bound types, opened uh -huh. it, read all the old ancient secrets and just went out and practiced it. It's like anything in life, if you practice it, you can get better at it. Apart from presenting this show, because it's taken me five series and I'm still woefully inept. But keep at it, though. Thank you very much. That's advice from our light entertainment legend there. <laughs> Um, now, you've also, you've also got the, the tapes that you do that, that people listen to themselves, which can uh, help them to sleep, help them to lose weight and stuff like that. Is there one which could help me get more hair? Well, if there was, I would have used it as well, being a little follically challenged. Very, very good point. Although you actually try to grow it a bit longer. I, I suspect you may be trying to flatten it down now again, Paul. Well, yeah, I'd be on to a full Bobby Charlton. I'll, <laughs> I'll be combing it up from me back in a few years. <laughs> he was so much part of it. The challenge was, was fun enough, even if he didn't do great. But just the entire setup and his willingness to play with Dominic and basically go, yeah, we're in this kind of goofy world. We're being a bit silly. And just kind of like willing to make fun of himself as well, because he was kind of playing up to the hypnotist stereotypes, you know, the idea of, oh, yeah, I'm going to make you cluck like a chicken and give me 50 quid and all that stuff. And I, I just loved it. I, I remember just not having thought about Paul McKenna for years. And unlike Yuri Geller, it just kind of gave me warm feelings rather than acid burn or acid reflux. I 
thought actually we might be on the same but i did have paul mckenna down uh, on my short list along with bear van beers mm. again terrible games playing it's a dreadfully bad challenge her playing sonic 3d but she's very funny and she has got great chemistry with dom so she was also quite high on my list however the, my winners uh, of the the annabelle croft award go to it's actually a duo this time round, and I didn't give them my favorite challenge because I wanted to give them the awards themselves. And that is John Regis and Tony Jarrett on the Athlete Kings episode. Now, uh, of course, I should have said John Regis MBE. Uh, <laughs> technically, you have that gone. What, what, what was it like when you got it? Where did you have to go? Buckingham Palace. Um, you know, for me, it was probably the most, the proudest day that I've ever had so far. You know, when I was younger, I always wished I could ever, you know, go and see the Queen and receive one of those medals yeah. because you always thought it was somebody else would get it. But when uh -huh. my name came up in the list, you know, I was really happy. My parents came down. It was a tremendous day out and, you know, really chuffed. Did they, was there a party afterwards? Uh, there was in my house. All right. <laughs> but you didn't have a party with the Queen? No. Because I want to know that. I mean, like, you know, if she has a bit of drinkness, she'll <laughs> bend over and start lighting her farts. Like um, but I guess... <laughs> I guess we won't know that. I bet Fergie does. I bet she. I bet she be the first one to get light in the bottle. Who were? So, I mean, talk about good sports, both literally and metaphorically. They were so. They had so much fun on the episode, and it's a series. It's an episode long, you know, uh, challenge. And bloody hell, they are having a laugh. Like they talk about it kind of a you know quite a bit in the book about how like you want to talk about a day of work that doesn't feel like a day of work and it's just four people laughing and the more it goes on the more they laugh and the more fun they have it is a brilliant episode it's a okay it's challenge i guess but it's made up for by the fact that they are great it's i think it's also the best that rick has been on the show i think dom is on fine form i just love everything about it but yeah john and tony were superb in the episode athlete kings did kind of like that challenge did appear somewhere on my list it also appeared on list of things for a future ucp live because mm -hmm. we've got the saturn working now we sure and, have and uh, it doesn't require 10 joy pads so I'm, I'm fairly confident that we can get that working because it looks like it would be a lot of fun to recreate, to really get the crowd behind. Now, we just need a couple of Olympic quality athletes. Well, that's right, we've got Cliff. He's some sort of Olympic quality. But speaking of Cliff... So we come on to favourite challenges and I will kick off this one. And that is what I love about Games Master. And that is just batch crazy things and that is somebody playing two arcade machines at the same times i'm talking about martin mafers and the virtua cop 2 challenge where I, I love those sort of challenges that go through the whole show but with this it felt like one i remember being very excited to go to an arcade and play that for the first time after seeing that challenge but at the same time to see someone to not to play two at the same time. Oh, is, is everyone tried it? Everyone's tried it. Some people listening to this might have even tried it at Hall of Gaming, where you pick up two guns and attempt to do the same, uh, to be player one and player two. However, this is playing on two separate cabinets. That's what makes this an amazing challenge. For me, I pretty much... There's something about 
the Iron Man challenge, which for even a little bit of a, for just a brief moment, made Games Master the natural like esports show it is, despite Dom's efforts of going, yeah, let's make it funny, let's be derogatory and all of that. I actually really digged it, and I think it's apart from the, him with Dex. It's the closest we're ever really going to get with Dave Perry being like the main host of the show. Mm. And I thought he was all right. Ah, we're going to, because this is his last, this is his last series. (laughs) There's a little caveat. I will put it on record here. I've never liked Dave Perry. Didn't like him as a kid. Don't really like him now. I don't really agree with a lot of his views. You've never made that clear on it. <laughs> however, nice. he says it a lot. <laughs> however, the Christmas special, even though we were all looking forward to it, and now we now it's done and dusted. I think we can all agree. Kind of a hard watch now, especially mm. in the advent of the book. Mm. I'm kind of on Dave's side because, mm. but I still yeah. Listen, because the guy was a last minute replacement. He turned up. Okay. Wanted to know what the questions were so he can do research. We've all kind of wanted to do that so we can swat. And then what the real kicker of it is, is that there was a physical altercation. Dom admits it. Mm. And mm. this is this is all coming to a head where the man has been consistently bullied to the point where he's just not happy anymore. But I just want to put it out there that any kind of bullying is wrong. And I believe Dom actually regrets all of this up to to, to today. You know, Dom in his most recent interviews gives Dave his juice. So I think we're all ready to move on from that. My favourite feature actually is the inaugural version, uh, like introduction of the Mario 64, where we get to see that for the first time. And I think it's exciting because again, season six kind of focuses around like the N64 coming out, like this is the new console. And we've not even got it in the UK at that point. For us, it was our first look at this new shiny console and this new game. And I think it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think the kid playing the first inaugural run through got to Bowser in one minute 53. Yeah. Which at the time, I'm pretty sure that was considered pretty fast. I mean, I'm sure with speed running now, it would be, I, I think people could get there quicker. He's not like sat for like a month or so play, practicing on it. Like this is his first time holding this controller, which again, the N64 controller compared to what we've seen for the Mega Drive and some of the other consoles, it's a bit of an alien controller as well. Like it's like for me, a bit of like a mini joystick kind of put onto a standard controller but it's a bit weird shaped it's one that i still think just looks so unique and is its own thing that all of the controls are kind of very similar now while that's still its own like how do you hold it (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a regular argument uh between with n64 players 
I want to just piggyback off something that uh, Sarah said in that Mario 64 challenge, because I, I agree, and you mentioned it earlier as, as one of your favourite challenges of the series, is I don't think I gave the lad enough credit when we did the episode. You know, I, I, we certainly said, like, how incredibly impressive it was and how quickly he did it. And, you know, Sarah's sort of made the point there of just like, you know, speedrunners now could probably do it better, but they're playing it and 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 sort of spending their, you know, their lives playing it to get as good at it as possible. It's a guy that was playing this game before it was even out. He just played it on an import copy, got his import, you know, N64, and he had perfected that in a very short window of time. So it's a really, really impressive feat. And talking about the N64 controller, whether you love it or whether you hate it, it was still quite a radical departure due to shape and also mainstream analog controllers. Now, nowadays, you pick up any PlayStation pad, Xbox pad, you've got one, two, however many analog thumbsticks. We're used to them. But back then, not only having an analog thumbstick, but also it was a weird-shaped thumbstick. And yeah, he just he just absolutely bossed that challenge. Very, very impressive to pick up the game so quickly. It's really funny, actually, you talk about that, uh, that N64 controller and, you know, they were talking about it there with the Modlands about how like it is kind of an alien thing to, to hold if it's, you know, first time. When we did the uh, the book launch interview Q&A session with Dominic Diamond down at Loading Bar uh, in Stoke Newington, afterwards, we sort of, you know, we set up a Mario Kart, we set up an N64 and there was like, you know, we played Mario Kart and things like that. You and I played Mario Kart. And we had a fun old time doing it. And we you know, hung around and chatted with Dominic afterwards. I played Mario Kart with two girls from the publishing house that published the book. And it, they never picked up an N64 controller. And the first thing they said to me was like, how do you hold this? And it was like, it's even today here in 2020, well, 2022 then. They looked at this thing and was like, I have no idea how to hold this. I, and I thought that was really, really remarkable. Not in the sense of like, I can't believe you never picked up an N64 controller. Just in the case of, even now, 20 plus years after the conversation's been had, it's still confusing to people. But we've talked a lot about kind of the good. We had some lovely modeling feedback then. It's time for, I think, it's one of my favorite segments to do on these wrap-up episodes for all the wrong reasons. It's the Ashley Pask Award for the worst celebrity. And Luke, I don't need telekinetic powers to guess what one of the top names on your list is, if not the top name. Yeah, I, I think it's a fairly obvious one here. Um, also, you know, as if anyone is new to this, Ashley Pask certainly has this award named after him because he was the worst celebrity in a series where he was not the celebrity challenge. Uh, but however, I think it is quite obvious who this non-good celebrity was. And is you know, I also wrote down T-Back Verma because I thought he was boring and he had a bad game of Destruction Derby 2, but it's Yuri Geller. Like, hands down, crap challenge, crap celeb with a bit of a crap setup. I still don't really know. Like, Dom in the book, it still is seemingly taking it seriously, but it's hard to know with Dominic whether he does think it's a serious thing. Like, Yuri seems nonplussed about the interview that he did either. Eh, it wasn't for me. No. We decided we're going to do a little experiment okay. of your, your paranormal powers. Now, before the show, I wrote down a... I, I made a drawing on a bit of paper, yes. which I'm now going to try to beam to you. Now, I must make this quite clear. You know that I, more than anyone, would not lie to you. Yuri has no way of having possibly seen what I have drawn. Right? It might work, it might not work. As long as no you way. really drew a drawing. I really, okay. drew, I really drew something. It's in here, and I'm going to try and 
Think, visualize it now. Exactly. And you're going to draw exactly. it. Exactly. Now, look, Dominic, I am taking a risk because this is television. If it fails, it's not a good feeling. But if you really believe that you can transmit to me the drawing, yep. I'll draw it. Okay. Begin. Look at staring onto my face. Now, you see, I close my eyes. I can talk while I do this. And I visualize a TV screen. And into the screen, yes, keep drawing it over and over in your mind, over and over, or a tree or a flower, but this is, uh, I, I don't know what it is. I'm showing it to the camera. Okay. I, 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 maybe it's an unfinished drawing, but it, it could oh, be. That is, I know, and I, have, I cannot believe this, right? That was supposed to be a what pair is, of scissors. I got it then. Because I thought about coming here, and this is this, I put this in my pocket. Right, before we did this, on two sheets of paper. Exactly. And that's what I did. That is absolutely yeah. unbelievable. But look, I must show you that if you look, I'm showing it to the camera, if you look at my drawing from here to here, look, and oh. yours, look, from here to here, hold this, and you'll see it's going to be the same size. Let me quickly show you to the camera. I can't believe I'm going to say this, and I can feel myself clenching. In defense of Yuri Geller. <laughs> <laughs> He gave a good interview. He did his parlor trick cold reading with the drawing. He at least provided some content as opposed to Deepak, who gave a little bit, but then just shut down. Yeah. And just just gave Dominic nothing to work with and did not want to be there. Same as almost all of the other EastEnders guests that we've had on Games Master bar uh, Todd Carvey all yeah. the way back in Series 2. He, it was Series 2, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Series 2, yeah, I was trying to yeah. think. Then for a second, then I thought it was a Series 1 episode, and I was like, no, they wouldn't have got someone as big as EastEnders in Series 1. I remember him being stood in front of the dials in his leather jacket, but yeah. he had a good time being there. But then again, he was also playing a character that was either in the midst of or about to go through one of the most harrowing storylines in soap opera history. So he was just happy to be anywhere that didn't involve being on Albert square but yuri geller is the least favorite because the challenge is a sham on a scale of golden bomberman level sham and he's a sham he's a scam allegedly i think i said at the time we cut like maybe half of my rant about yuri geller out not just mine actually you had some stuff as well and i just cut cut it cut a load of it out because we weren't saying anything new we were just really really annoyed at this man being on a show that we love we yeah him to be there he should not be there. And um, yeah, it's why, even though I think there were more boring celebrities on Series 6, he is the worst celebrity because he's a con artist. Uh, I'm going to agree with David Fisher in the chat there. That Golden Bomberman challenge was more believable than Yuri Geller. Maybe Yuri Geller was inside the Golden Bomberman suit and he was controlling it with his mind. Could have been. He might have also been Robocop as well. Um, they just don't want to put him three times on the show. So yeah, I don't know. That goes without saying easily the worst celebrity of series six but it's time to talk about some positive things again in a series with a lot of cracking ones i'm very curious to know what was your favorite feature from series six to start with a tangent i actually think more so than a lot of previous series we've been on the same kind of level for a lot of these picks so far if not in the actual top choice but certainly in the top two or three you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So this one, I remember how much we loved talking about this, how much this one excited us to cover. And again, how much we left on the cutting room floor, because we went on a long time about it. And it is Jurassic Park, the ride. It's Attack of the Killer Mutant Yellow Poncho, people. <laughs> I'm not going to get wet at all. Welcome 
Jurassic Park. What's that dinosaur action over there? You see that wee guy? Hey! It just grabbed on me! Something's gonna happen here. I think this is the big drop. Oh no. Oh, big dinosaur action! Oh, oh god! <laughs> One hundo P. What a feature. Just so exciting and so good. And it just led me off down a YouTube rabbit hole after we were done recording as well as before of watching uh, different on-ride videos and different documentaries in defunct land and all those kind of various theme park attraction making ofs because it's just such a cool ride, even in its latest iteration based off the mildly Bobbins Jurassic World series. It's a great ride. And this this feature, I can't remember really how this feature made me feel at the time, other than really making me want to go to Universal Studios. And I've gone back and I've actually looked at photos from my first trip to Universal Studios. And going by the timestamps, Jurassic Park was the first ride I went on. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And now keep in mind that I first went to Universal Studios at a time when they hadn't quite yet closed Back to the Future or T2. But Jurassic Park was still my first stop. I don't have many photos, but I was just about to be able to put it together by the photos I did have. I And I think I mentioned this in the episode as well. I do have photos of me outside uh, that ride in 2000 when I went there with my folks. I don't have any photos of me from when I went in 98, but I did. I certainly got photos of me outside it in 2000. And I specifically remember watching this feature on TV when it aired on Channel 4 and then going a few years later to Universal Studios and getting to go on that ride being like, oh, this is the ride that I saw on Games Master. Similarly uh, to one of my top one of my potential top choices although it was never going to beat Jurassic Park the ride was Steven Spielberg director's chair a feature that I saw on Games Master then months and months and months later saw it on a shelf in Virgin Megastore and begged my mum to be able to buy it because I was like I saw this on TV and it was amazing and I really want to play it I had the same thing with Jurassic Park the ride yeah and like you once we finished recording we sometimes finish recording quite late at night so usually like it's go tidy up the kitchen and then I'll, I'll head upstairs to bed and get a few hours kit before I've got to get up for work so really you know no time to dawdle I did dawdle a little bit because I fell down a rabbit hole I ended up watching one video that was four quadrants that were all playing the ride from the same seat but from different eras of the ride so it was like like the original one then the second redesign then the third redesign and the current redesign and it was and I don't know and I loved it and I've watched it a couple of times since (laughs) it's ace I will say, just before we we move on for Jurassic Park The Ride, we're doing it again, Luke. Um, Watching the latest iteration, there's so many of those kind of rides, dark rides, that have now just gone, ah, we're just going to f*** around with projection and giant LCD screens. 
the way they do it in Jurassic Park the ride is or Jurassic World the ride as it is it it works because they don't completely replace the animatronics they enhance the animatronics with it and I think that is very very commendable that they took the effort the Transformers ride is it's fun but it is like going on a dodgem in a video game whereas the Jurassic Park ride still looks like it's a hell of a lot of fun with a lot of water a lot of splashes a lot of animatronics looming at you and the screens are just there to do stuff that they otherwise couldn't do and I think that's an important thing that is, yeah. I, I mean, I've not been to Universal Studios since 2000, so I'm now, like, getting on for 23 years uh, since I last went there. So, like, my last memories of Universal were Jurassic Park, E.T., Back to the Future, Jaws, King Kong. Um, all of those rides were set T2. All of them were still there. I think if I went to Universal Studios now, I would not recognize the place. Granted, it's been 23 years. Of course you wouldn't. But... All of those rides, I think, uh, with the exception of Jurassic Park, which has been re- they've rebadged it, you fool. I think all of them are gone, right? Yeah, although the skeleton of Back to the Future is still there as the Simpsons ride. Yeah, that's right. It's the same technology, mostly. But with that, with less Christopher Lloyd. So, big much less down from me. Yeah. So, I just wanted to mention as well, Steven Spielberg, director's chair, was on my potential list of favourite features, as was Barbie Fashion Designer. Because I do think that was a feature that Don went into to take the piss with, and it ends up being a really interesting feature. <laughs> it's, it's a a real like turnabout that one. Don't be like, oh, let's go make fun of Barbie Fashion Designer. Oh no, we've ended up with really interesting interviews. It was a great, great feature, and as I said, I still part of me still thinks he was being very sincere with it. I know we agreed to differ on that, but I I still just I love that feature. Also, honourable mentions the retro gaming feature. Yep. Even especially because it gave us a chance to invoke Guru Larry and talk about Peter Molyneux, but it was really cool to see that early retro gaming kick. And human entertainment. That was so cool, although I wish there'd been I mean, I'm a Fire Pro guy, so I wish there'd been more about that, but it was also just really cool to see human entertainment at that point in time. Wanted to also give a shout out to that retro feature, if only from our history, because we finally figured out the Dave Perry feature from series three. It was all of a sudden a like a light bulb moment where we were like, <gasps> we figured it out. And it all connected together. And it all connected to Peter Molyneux, which <laughs> does technically mean it was probably bollocks. I'm not worried about him suing me, so I'm not even going to say allegedly on that one. Which brings us to our next award, the Naked and Begging Award for Worst Feature from Series 6. Uh, as I said at the top of this uh podcast episode i struggled with this one a little bit i went through all of the features and really none of them were outright bad none of them were like what a waste of time that was none of them were like really really awful but i thought there was there were two that i thought were just there they were just press packs that had been reverse engineered into features and they would have benefited better if they were like, particularly if you're comparing them to what they did in previous ones where they did actual set visits. I think the Darkening and Star Trek First Contact are just, they're features that don't add anything to what was already out there. You know what I mean? Like it, it didn't really feel like it sort of like elevated a conversation. Yeah, I couldn't include First Contact in my list because 
it's it's first contact. It's hard. It's, I, I, I did not like putting it down. No, because we got to talk about first contact and any reason to talk about first contact, especially when that metaphorical movie dick was slapped out of our mouth when someone updated the number ones. Any excuse to talk about first contact was a good one. For me, the main one that leapt to my head just because it was so weird was the people in Geneva creating a digital Marilyn Monroe and a digital Humphrey Bogart and having them bang in an unconvincing CGI film. Because really, that's what they were doing. They were making weird, deep fakery hentai. It was fascinating for us to talk about. Like, really, it was one of my favourite things to fall down the rabbit hole and researching that had been out of left field on this series. But also looking back at it, I was just like, this is weird. This, yeah. was, this was a this, this felt out of place like at least first contact felt in place because hey games master it was cool but also it is fairly nerdy and so's first contact this was i mean like how many people in the audience knew who humphrey bogart was marilyn monroe sure because you know pop culture icon you know no one's got folk posters of humphrey bogart on their six form common room wall but Marilyn Monroe with the skirt and the woo-boo type thing that's belly boo but you know that's that's the thing and so yeah that was that was my pick and I don't know there, there weren't many many bad features in series six it was a tough really one so I, I went for the one that looking back on I just went what the hell were they thinking yeah I I, I nearly had it on my list of uh, of, of ones to, to put into this category. And I think the only reason I did is, and this is this is an error on my part, I just really enjoyed that part. Of, I really enjoyed doing that part of the episode with you because, yeah, we both fell into quite deep research territory and we had a very good conversation, which we made. A, I made a slight error in. I will, I'll hold my hand up now because a few people did send us emails about this. I did make an error in where I said that Rogue One came out after Carrie Fisher had died. That's not true. I saw it after Carrie Fisher died. That was the mistake I made. It was released before, uh, but I saw it after. And that was that was my error. Um, but I I wanted to, I didn't nearly have it on my list, and I just sort of got sidelined by the fact that I really quite enjoyed it. And it, I think it also tied into that we're not just a video game show; we're an, mm. uh, an enter we're a multimedia entertainment show. So it sort of fit into that remit. But again, kind of like with First Contact and The Darkening, because they're not there, there's no like real Dominic involvement. It just feels like press pack stuff that's just been retrofitted into a feature there were a couple of things that i almost put on my list but only when i went and researched them did i go oh they weren't features they were in the news like the (laughs) weird augmented reality control system where you were bursting bubbles and stuff like that because it just felt weird and like it didn't belong there and it was purely space filler but technically it was part of the news and therefore not a feature. Well, I mean, I accidentally, uh, speaking of mistakes, I accidentally skipped over this. This was meant to come uh, uh, a moment ago in the running order. But let's hear from our modelers as they talk about their favourite feature. We come on to our final bit, and that is favourite feature. So mine, now I'll tell you a story. I obviously am a very creative person, and sometimes in school I would make up stuff and i was very jealous of people going abroad and i hadn't been i didn't go abroad until i was 12 years old so that was 1999 now one of the things that i made up at this time was after watching this series of games master and that's i went to universal studios and went on that jurassic park ride because 
I had seen it on Games Master and gone, wow, I really want to go there. I've still not been to Universal Studios. And even though it is now Jurassic World and I've seen the YouTube videos of them going through and the new parts, including video, it still looks incredible. Um, I've, I still, to this day, one of the things, one of the things on my bucket list is I want to go on that Jurassic Park ride. And it all stems from seeing Dominic Diamond refuse to wear a uh, wear a uh, poncho and get absolutely fucking drenched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So my favorite feature is from episode two, where Dom's actually looking at retro consoles, which again oh. I think that's brilliant that there was retro consoles like back in the nineties, and now we look at what. They were advertising then, like, look at the N64, here's the Mega Drive, all that. They're all retro now. So it just blew my mind because I had this ignorant moment of, because obviously we kind of grew up in that generation where it was Mega Drive, N64, your PlayStation. Sometimes I forget, like, there's, like, the Amiga, the Commodore, there's all the other ones. And then they're there showing them off going, look at these retro consoles. Like, oh, wow. It's yeah, I love that, and as well his interview with Peter Molyneux. I like that. It was it was an odd like part of it where he interviewed him in the toilet. It's like this is the creator of you know the Fable series. Quite fitting for how his <laughs> career ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, I just I love the whole episode. I just like the concept that you know, on one hand they're trying to show off the most latest and up to date technology, but then they're like here's where this all stemmed from without these other consoles we don't get these newer ones um so yeah i think it'll be interesting to see in 20 years time again what's going to be retro and what will mm. be out there because like my newest console i own is like the handheld steam deck yeah and that one day might be you know will be retro yeah. and that's that's mind-blowing like where do you go from that like it retro gaming seems like such a new term to me that it's only been really a thing of the last 10 years. So to hear like them referring to retro consoles, you go, I suppose it was. You look at, you know, the time difference. It's almost some of those games are almost 20 years old. Some of the latter yeah. sort of games were almost 20 years old. It yeah. is retro gaming. Yeah. And when you really think about it, most of all of those machines that were in that museum, they were from the 80s. And this mm -hmm. was, what, 96, 97? It would have been 96 at this point. Mm. It, yeah. it blows your mind what is considered retro, what's considered old. And also, I keep saying this in every feedback we send, the leap, the absolute technological mm. leap we go through, through the history of Games Master from series one to this is astounding absolutely it's astounding for me ah, to see the problem is we're recording this when i've had a very long day and so my brain has gone to mush but the one thing that's really stuck was basically dom's trip to japan which is technically two two features but the one that really stuck was when he went to the cosplay competition and for me as an old ass otaku I'm an old anime fan, an old Tokusatsu fan. To recognize nearly everybody that was in costume at that cosplay, I don't know what it says about me, but I was. it made me very, very happy. And the fact that potentially Jushin Thunder Liger was there 
Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it was a very good cosplayer, but <laughs> Jushin Thunder Liger. Guess what? Jushin Thunder Liger is a bloody nerd. So he could have been there. Excellent choices all round, all of which were in line with ours, with the exception of Matty Boo there with the cosplay. It, it's a, it's funny because that feature, I think, gets forgotten about because it's in that episode. It did make its way into my shortlist, but also I was thinking, do I like it because of the feature or do I like it because of what we got to talk about as a result? Your Jushin Thunder Liger story, the costumes that we see there that are being misidentified as video games and this, that and the other. So yeah, that was why it didn't quite make it to the top for me but yeah nice to see nods there for jurassic park and also for the retro gaming event and i would like to point out that actually i had made all of my choices before i listened to their feedback i did obviously hear it when i was rendering the videos earlier and um yeah it was it was genuinely lovely because i love our mods they're great they're wonderful people they've helped us out in so many different ways and it's also just nice to know we seem to be thinking along the same wavelength oh yeah we're all in a similar boat here if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's go into our Diamondism Award for Favourite Dick Joke. It's been tough going. I think the last few, like I think Series 4 didn't have a lot. Series 3, obviously, you know, it didn't have a diamond there. Series 4 was a bit low on them. Series 5 uh, felt a bit low on them at time. 
series six, it starts off with lows, then it kind of dies off. And they basically save them all for that final episode I found. But I'm very curious to know what you had as your favourite dick joke of the series. Episode 18. That's <laughs> it. Just, just that, just episode 18. The entire final episode, because the entire thing is one long dick joke. They just keep escalating. They've got the meter going. Even that is getting more and more erect as the episode goes on. So, yeah, it is just literally all of episode 18. It was so much fun it was a real throwback which is a weird thing to say about a retrospective podcast covering a show from over 20 odd years ago it was it was a real throwback and it was just a lot of fun very silly very pure very immature don was having fun with it the murs were having fun with it it was good times and so for me that diamondism award goes to all of episode 18 is it a cop-out choice yes but is it a truthful choice also, yes. I'm not going to say it's a cop-out choice at all. In fact, I'm actually going to say it's the exact same uh, answer for me. In particular, the line. And if we take a quick look at the offence-ometer, I am amazed. I mean, it appears to have swelled to erect proportions. Which was my favourite line of the episodes. Understandable, because proportions, swelling, erect, it's a triple va- It's a triple whammy. Exactly. There's only four words in that's in, in in you know my choice and all of them are great it's only two that you can leave off so let's then move on to uh, our penultimate award the worst moment from series six ash what have you got <sighs> there was a temptation to go with yuri geller <laughs> there was a temptation to go with that destruction derby two challenge but let's be honest it's Mario Gate. Now, honour you, Dave. Um, now, you have, as you said, on the show, you are the greatest games player in Britain. What happened? What went wrong? Well, I think I've been set up fairly badly here today. Right. And in particular, what reason? I think having a final game where one player owns the game in the machine and one player doesn't isn't in the interests of fair play. Uh-huh. OK, then. So uh, what you're saying, Dave, is the biggest game of this year. You haven't played much. It's not released till next year. I'll play it next year when it's released in this country. Okay, you are a journalist. We can get it on import. Not a journalist. I'm a marketing manager. Right, okay then. And you don't have a book coming out about, you know, games or anything like that? About about beat-em-up. About beat-em-up games. So we're not seeing sour grapes at all here, Davis, what you're trying to say? No, we're not. We're seeing somebody just saying he's been set up. Okay then. And on that bombshell! It's not the entire episode per se, because there are some funny bits in that episode, but they also all do come at the expense mostly of Dave Perry and I think it's it's an it's just an unfortunate moment it's a sour note in the series and as I think we said on the episode for all the jokes we've made about it leading up to it and indeed that kind of weird holding pattern we were in because you know we wanted to have this book in hand. There was just kind of a sense of relief by the time we were done with the episode because it was a case of, cool, we can move past it now. And this will hopefully probably be the last time it's ever really mentioned just because we're deliberately bringing it up as one of the worst moments, not only of Series 6, but of all Games Master. Yeah, I think there's really one choice for this. I also wrote down the girly special um, because, you know, speaking of things being slightly immature, um, I but it is the Mario 64 challenge. And it's it's funny as well, like we've talked quite a bit about how there was a sort of almost a sense of relief once the episode was actually done. But 
I actually think it's the best episode we've ever done. I'm glad it was our 150th one. I really do think it was our best episode of the show. I think it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I won't say that because it's going to make me sound very big headed. Um, but I do. You can edit it out afterwards and only these guys will know what you said. I don't think anyone else would have done the episode that way. I, I think a lot of other podcasts would have looked at it from a comedic aspect. And I think that we didn't do that. We looked at it and, you know, I, it was a very research heavy episode. I really loved doing the edit of that episode because it was very clip heavy. It's a long old episode, but I really do think it's one of the best episodes we've ever done. And so I, and I'm glad that it's one because it ha- if there was going to be, you know, my favorite episode we've ever done, I'm glad it was that one. It's the most iconic moment from the show, but it's also, and I said this at the top of the podcast, probably the worst moment in Games Master history. And I, yeah, I, I, so mixed emotions for me, but it is categorically the worst part of this series. To, um, to, to semi-deflate your head, but also give some context, because I think I also may have an idea of where you're coming from on this one. I don't think many other podcasts could have covered it the way we did, purely because not many other podcasts would have done the 100-plus episodes leading up to it. Uh-huh. They'd just gone straight for that one, just go straight for the juggler. And you know what? We would have probably done a much more gag-heavy episode if we hadn't spent all that time seeing the build-up, reading the interviews, actually having the book, and seeing like regrets on most sides. Not all, but most sides. Yeah, it, it therefore made it difficult, uh, made it different. And I'm I'm glad. It's one of certainly in my top four or five episodes that I'm most proud of. It's actually right up there with uh, stuff we did for the reboot. And I'm proud of that for different reasons, because, boy, howdy, you want to talk about producing content under pressure. That was intense. And, yeah, the Dave Perry incident was an intense episode to do. I don't, Yeah, I don't know that I ever want to talk about it again after this episode, other than maybe a few passing references. And maybe they'll be whimsical, but it won't be because I think less of it. It's because it's kind of a thing of, well, we're past it now. But, uh, but it. yeah. A dark, a dark day for Games Master, and yeah, that's it. The book said it said what it's got to say on it. We've said what we've got to say on it. I'm sure numerous people involved in the incident itself will continue to revise some of their opinions over time, and that's their own prerogative. I really hope that it is. <laughs> I mean, like the the, uh, the the idea of the book is the final word on it. I just don't think it ever will be because I still think there'll be podcasts that bring Dave on and we'll ask him about it. There'll be podcasts that bring Rick on and ask him about it. I think, but for most people, it's done now. It and this is like the the book is the definitive version of what happened, and that's it. And I, you know, and I hope the 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 podcast we've done is kind of a good distillation of all of that, of the entire run, the entire history of what went down. So yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm exceptionally proud of that. In fact, we've had a couple of episodes in Series Six. I'm exceptionally proud of that we put out. So yeah, I I, I think that is that. I'll, we'll leave it at that. I think. So speaking of things, you know, moving on to brighter things, our final award does go to our favourite moments from Series Six. Now that could be uh, a you know a, a challenge that really stood out, or just a specific moment that really stood out, or just a concept that stood out. So Ash. To round us off, what was your favourite moment of Series 6? <sighs> there are a lot, actually. There's like Bear Van Beer, Zoe Ball, stuff involving them. Dominic going around the cosplay just because it was so weird. Going to the artificial Japanese beach, that was Series 6, wasn't it? It was indeed, yes. Going to the, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just checking, I hadn't misremembered that. But just that one and going around saying, are you here on the pool? It was so weird and so surreal. But I'm probably going to dial back to one of my favourite challenges 
and a specific moment from the Tetsujin challenge. And it is just the one of the few brief moments of Patrick Moore being in the episode, just going, Tetsujin. Tetsujin. And that to me, it just, it, it will never not make me laugh. And uh, the other one, <laughs> I said we'd never talk about the Dave Perry thing again. It's from the same episode, but only tangentially really involves him to a degree. But it is the what happens next. No, not even close. Let Roll a clip and see what happens. Okay, so Sonic gets to the end of level, pauses by the tree, a Japanese guy in a black and white wig jumps out of the crate and someone shoots over their eyes. <laughs> and, it, and it all explodes. <laughs> Where it's Sonic, and then it cuts mm. to a completely different game because that's a real shooting stars moment. That's a real really goofball is. moment that, in any other context, would have just been hilarious. But in my head, I just remember it as a real kind of swerve. I, it's not anything in, in any other context. With any of the other players, it would have it would have landed differently, uh, but because of the player it landed on, it's now become sort of like the sm- one of the smoking guns for the fix being in. I actually had down Tetsujin brackets all as like my favorite moment because I do love it. Like from the start of the episode, the way that the episode is structured, the bizarreness of it all, I absolutely love. But really, my favorite moment of series six and the thing that I will remember it fondly for particularly because we'll have no more of it now is dom going to japan i love japan i think japan's a beautiful beautiful country i think tokyo is a fascinating place um but i only got to go there in 2019 so it's you know relatively recently was the, the, the first and only time i've ever been able to go so i have very much got to see tokyo from a you know, rugby world cup post era of you know very much welcoming of tourists and this and the other much easier for tourists to get around i love seeing old tokyo that makes sense like i love seeing like actual in context footage of tokyo from the 90s and i get to see it through various different Dom escapades throughout Japan. And I love it. And I really, it's the one thing I'll really miss from in series seven. There's no Dom outside features. Like he basically said after the Japan one, it's like, I'm not doing it. He did all the American ones in series five. He did the Japan ones in series six. And then was like, no, I'm I'm too much in love now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go on any of these abroad trips. And having watched a handful of episodes now of series seven, getting my skeletal notes together, I kind of miss him a little bit. I really miss like Dom out and about. So I have got that down. Dom in Japan is like my favorite, my favorite moments of of series six. Japan and Britain, two separate cultures, half a world apart, linked by one thing, anoraks. Here in Japan, they call them otaku. The word refers to any hobby that borders on the obsessive, but this is Games Master after all, so there was one group of otaku I was contractually obliged to meet. Unfortunately, this meant getting up eye-baggingly early on a Sunday morning. In which case then, Ash, I think it's time that we got ourselves into our listener feedback. We have got written and we have got audio feedback from you wonderful fine folks that have emailed them across to feedback at underconsultation.com and we kick things off with Jordan, who... This is a very unique bit of uh, listener feedback as well, because this is less a review of Series 6 and a review of our review of Series 6. Hey, in fairness, we asked for Series 6 feedback. We never specifically said the TV show. We just said Series 6. And this is, I think, one of the first times outside of, oh, we like that bit or that bit was funny. This is the first time we've had really a direct critique 
of our of our coverage and it's it's fascinating and there are some points i'm looking forward to picking up on so jordan writes really glad to have joined the podcast at this point in the series i was a late comer to this podcast but thankfully saw episode one onwards first the highlights I'm glad you took the break on the Dave Perry incident because that was the smart thing on getting the full story. And it went from a take the piss out of the game's animal into this tragic story of a guy that the felt the show he was there at the beginning wasn't what he thought. There was a humanity in it and weren't afraid to highlight some of the actual terrible moments in Dominic's career, from nights of plenty to drug addiction to being a little too mean to children on air. The Games Master Magazine bonuses were my favorite, and I know there is always talk about what after the podcast, but it was such a good episode, I'd love to see more of that. But also, recaps like the Crystal Maze were also a lot of fun. I'm biased, it's a game show. The weaker sections is honestly not really that noticeable. You were both really busy for the last few months with UCP Live and the book release and the interview that, from a listener point of view, some episodes felt like a, we need to hurry this a bit. Maybe it was getting late, it's all understandable, time management is a challenge. And the N64 episode that was released was just a personal favorite because, again, American, I never really got that sort of recall of console launches and what children in the UK were playing and enjoying at the launch. And Mario 64 was about it. And I own Shadows of the Empire, but I also play Mario Kart by myself because I'm a lonely, lonely man. Keep up the great work. I can't wait to see Desert Island Dicks next time. First of all, top quality joke at the end there with Desert Island Dicks. Um, I mean, where to start with this? First of all... Uh, thank you for your compliments. Um, wonderful stuff. Uh, I don't know that we'd have, as we did cover, damn, we're talking about it again. I don't know, even without the book, if we'd have done a let's take the piss out of Dave Perry, because again, we'd done the hundred odd episodes leading up to it, even without the book and even without some of the more recent contextual episodes. There's a lot in there to unpack from the historical evidence. Uh, The main reason we wanted to have the book is because it involved all parties, including kind of like contextualised from numerous different people, some of whom hadn't been interviewed. I love doing the the magazine stuff. I I know I know you do too, bar the Strike It Lukey, which you have a love hate relationship with. Uh we almost got live Strike It Lukey, but we had to cut it for time reasons at UCP Live too. There was almost uh Strike It Cliffy as well in the N sixty four episode, but that unfortunately had to be cut as well. Because we'd already done the game and neither myself nor Cliff remembered, even though it had been on the previous week's episode. The one I found interesting in this, and it did make me chuckle, is the we need to hurry this a bit because I think if there's anything we've never been guilty of doing is going, you've got to wrap this recording up. We need to get some kit. We just, it's not in our nature. Um, We are more likely to suspend recording and come back to it the next day. But I did give this some thought and I think I worked out why some of our episodes may have that feel to them. Because when I'm doing my edit pass or when you're doing your edit pass, if you do the first pass, we normally kind of fact check as we go, if there's something I'm not 100% sure of. And sometimes in the recording, we might have left a verbal note to check that. And if something turns out to be not just a bit wrong, but very wrong, it has to be cut out. And also any other references that come after it really have to be cut out. And I do realise that sometimes that makes it sound like we've not actually said much about a certain subject or or area sometimes that also happens just because we've talked about it a lot on a previous episode like by the time we actually got to mario 64 being a challenge we'd probably already dedicated at least two to three hours talking about the damn game just in the nintendo 64 is coming aspect i think there are some episodes that we've rushed like that we've had to turn around very quickly but I don't necessarily think they're the episodes that Jordan thinks they are. 
Perhaps not. Yeah, I, I think it's like maybe it's towards the end, like the last couple of episodes, series episodes seventeen and eighteen are shorter run times than some of the other ones. But there's also, in a way, kind of less to talk about in seventeen and eighteen than there have been in in previous episodes of things to dive into. So that might be why they they were shorter episodes, but they did end up being shorter episodes. And it's not because they're bad, and it's not because we were rushing through. It's just that there's less to say about them than there were with other things. You know, the one the episodes that end up running the longest the ones where it's either there's a heck of a lot to say about this this topic here or uh oh we fell down a rabbit hole and now we've ended up talking about half we've spent half an hour talking about this one topic that we're going to have to try and cut down to 15 minutes uh, oh also just to say the thing of like um the book launch and the interview affecting our time not really didn't have time to we we had 20 minutes notice to to put together that interview to actually get it set up for recording so it didn't affect the recording schedule at all if anything it actually gave us a bit of a breather because it was a very very easy edit to do because the one thing we've never done is we've never censored dominic in the three times that he's been on the podcast now Wow, we're lucky ducks in that regard and, and we just yeah that was uh, an accidental bonus episode never intended to be one but it ended up being one. Yeah, I love I love doing the episodes about the launches or about things from this side of the pond because a lot of the time, documentaries like Nintendo Historian, things like that, it is for the most part very American-centric. Of course it would be. They're American YouTube channels. So it's nice to provide a little bit of a Brit or Eurocentric opinion on those things. But I was I was a little trepidatious about that feedback because it was very interesting to actually get direct feedback about us. But it was also nice because it did make me think more about how some of the creative decisions we make or editorial decisions we make may appear to, to outside people and who may not normally comment on it. And so, yeah, that that was a really nice little thought exercise to have. I really like that bit of feedback as well, particularly because, like, you know, we have a podcast feedback section on the Discord, but it's usually people just going in and sort of making jokes about the episode, making uh, memes about the episode, or just saying, you got that bit wrong. So it was nice to have some, like, really nice general feedback. So that was lovely. Uh, speaking of feedback and people that are active on the Discord, our next bit of feedback is from Nut, who is a regular, and, I mean, you talk about overseas perspective, I'm going to read this feedback as it was sent. Uh, please keep in mind, Nut's uh, English is a second language, at least for Nut. So what he says is what he says, and then we will interpret that to the best of our ability. As far as I've seen, Games Master Series 6, the whole thing is almost good. I told about Games Animal, the condition that I tried later, that he wouldn't fit in with Dom after Episode 9. Dom in Japan is considered good. The Nintendo 64 story on the Games Master Series 6 is very good. The challenges in Games Master Series 6 are mostly fighting games, so I skip the best and worst challenges. Except for the best celebrity challenge, I'd give it to Zoe Ball, wouldn't we all? Because when Dom interviewed her, she was okay. Then, until we meet in the classic Games Master review after Series 7 is over. I, I love Nut. Nut mm -hmm. is a constant ray of sunshine in the Discord, is a, a lovely, lovely guy who just gives us so much from like, the, literally the other side of the world. And it's nice that he sends in this feedback and that he enjoys this weird little British show from the 90s. Oh, yeah. It, it, he's a delightful, delightful chap. Uh, and I, I kind of enjoy that little bit of feedback in there, which is that I, I, I'm inferring from this that Nut is not a fighting game fan. And thus, because they are mostly fighting games, it's like, well, I don't really consider either them to be best or worst challenges. They were all just mostly fighting games, therefore mostly all the same. And yeah, he picks up on about, you know, 
Dave Perry not fitting in. Dominic in Japan is a very, very good set of features. And yeah, he likes Zoe Ball as well. We'd all give it to Zoe Ball, I guess. Uh, up next, we've got this bit of feedback here from Sean. He says, hi, everyone. Great reviews this season. It's been one of the most fun times at UCP with Dominic's Q&A, the N64 incident, and all the Halloween and Christmas specials. Cliff was amazing on the N64 episode, and under consultation, UCP Live 2.0 looked fantastic you guys are fantastic well thank you very much like very complimentary heavy and i don't mind it at all um i'm assuming as well for that halloween one that is the patreon uh episode that we did because we did a review of the real ghostbusters uh as is almost becoming a bit of a halloween tradition for us and it was a very different christmas special this year but a christmas special that i think we both really really enjoyed doing yeah yeah, it was. I, I like doing those specials. I am aware that we might not get a UCP extra out in January, but Patreons will also should get access to two video episodes in February. So hopefully it will it will balance out. So yeah, I I do enjoy doing the extra episodes. In fact, the extra episodes do make me think about more about what comes after we're done with Games Master for good. Because turns out me and you can talk about a lot of stuff yeah we we ramble on we edit it down into something that's a bit more coherent and then people seem to quite enjoy that it's almost like at least one of us makes a career out of it you know <laughs> so, although some some people are quite amazed that that is the case though i'm not i'm not at all i do want to put the pitch now ucp halloween this year assuming we don't have a massing falling out after series seven Let's do something with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ooh, that's not a bad shout. I, th I think we had potentially talked about um, doing your favourite episode, uh, Call of Cthulhu. Um, no, we're in it. That's the board game. The Cthulhu episode of, uh, of, the Real Ghost of the Real Ghostbusters. Is it called Call of Cthulhu or Collect? Collect, collect Call called... of Cthulhu. That's it. It is Collect Call with, of Cthulhu. With a bad spelling of Cthulhu to avoid a lawsuit from the uh, Lovecraft estate. That's the one. I knew it was something like that. So how we did... But yeah, sitting around Afterlife is also not a bad shout. Because we'll also have more to say about Afterlife 2 or the, the sequel to Ghostbuster Afterlife, the fourth in this timeline of Ghostbusters films to say by then. So that'll be exciting. So so watch this space for October. We've got enough time to make it work. I, um, I've i said this on a podcast recently, and we're getting a bit off topic now. We'll get back into your listener feedback in just a second. But hey, you talked about Ghostbusters, so you've opened up a can of worms. I'm about to talk about that. I loved Ghostbusters Afterlife. The one element that I didn't overly love was a lot of the, A, the original, right? You like that one? is a little bit, you know, oh, I mean, it's borderline the exact same plot, but I do think that is also on purpose. The news that the original uh, stunt actor and creator of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man has been brought in for the sequel has me a little bit on edge because I'm hoping to all get out it's a flashback and not in the fucking main movie. Because if it turns out it's Stay Puft again, I'll be really annoyed. I would be annoyed if it's the big bad, but what if, Luke... What if it's actually as Stay Puft was in the original draft of Ghostbusters, in that Stay Puft is one and done in the first act? Even so, I I I feel like I'm at a point in my life now where I'm a bit done with, and this is odd for this podcast, a bit done with nostalgia. Um, there was a uh, an advert, a, a trailer that came out recently for the brand new episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and I literally went, "We've gone too fucking far." 
I would, I'd rather the series move on. We've got a brand new cast of characters that I absolutely love. I want to see them go on some new adventures, not new adventures that just harken back to old adventures. I see where you're coming from. Again, I think I'd be fine with Stay Puft if it was a one and a die. Maybe in the pre-credits. So what you actually think you're seeing is a flashback to the 84 film. Turns out it's a modern bust. They take down Stay Puft and then we cut and we see Phoebe and we see that and we realize that no that's it and then boom roll the credits and we're starting the film so kind of like use it as a bit of a fake out if you will that I'd be fine with because it is nostalgia but it's also nostalgia just to start the ball rolling and then they go on a new story that I yeah I will certainly see it in context like I'm not just like I'm not instantly dismissing the movie just saying that news slightly put me on edge because i didn't like the stay puff bits in afterlife if i'm being brutally honest because it really and we've i've said this on a previous episode of this podcast it reeked of a studio head being like kids love baby yoda do me a baby thing in this movie we can make toys out of okay just last bit before we move on to the next bit of feedback because it is audio feedback were the mini stay puffs in afterlife less or more annoying than the slime a change from onion head to slimer and the changes made to janine in ghostbusters 2 because to me they were less annoying than that and i love ghostbusters 2 but slimer became an actual cartoon character in ghostbusters 2 i i completely buy into that but also the people who made the movie didn't like that either so i'm i'm not gonna massively uh, dump on that because i i think it, given the choices they probably wouldn't have made those um but yeah it's the the little the mini stay puffs really reeked of hey baby grew got massively over right so do me a baby version of that thing also just as a warning next time you see me with this behind me there will be mini stay puffs on it they're downstairs <laughs> but i just need to give you a warning that's absolutely fine but you're right we have got a little bit of audio feedback next and it is oh is it audio one or is it uh yeah do you want let's do the audio one now because it is from a man who's very sexy it's under console nation it's super sexy dave fisher here not doing that quite with the same pizzazz as the amazing Cliff, uh, but we'll give it a go. I'm sure we'll, we'll find our way. Um, and I'm here with the poor audio po- uh, portion of the podcast. So I just want to give my thoughts on, on season six. And when I started this journey, sort of listening to, to UCP, I always thought, well, season two and season five are going to be my favourites, no matter what. Those are the two that typified their eras of Games Master for me when I was growing up. Uh, and looking back, I still enjoyed those in very much the same way I did. Uh, first time round, but watching season six, there's just something about it where I think pound for pound, it is the quintessential series of Games Master. It really has a little bit of that old, a lot of the new, and then all of these features and weird and wacky challenges thrown in. I think it really is the best uh, of both worlds. And if I'm honest, looking at the new series, which I enjoyed immensely, I think this is how I'd want Games Master to be now. This kind of mix, this kind of blend, this kind of humour. You know, so I'm looking back and I think, you know, that N64 feature, more things like that. I know it's not going to be as relevant in, you know, fast-paced sort of news world as we get now with everything at our fingertips. But I really enjoyed that. And I think even something that went in-depth, you know, a little bit more, something with that kind of humour, I'd still enjoy even if it was, you know, weak old news. Then you go into some of the games that they featured, and some of my favourites ever in there. You got Super Mario sixty four, Die Hard Arcade, Time Crisis, some some really excellent games. But then you couple that with 
games that are not just um, not necessarily even well known in some cases, but uh, you know, just positioned and dealt with differently, like the the dual virtual cop challenge, the Tetsujin Virtual Fighter Three challenge, even weird prop cycle with Michael Fish. I enjoyed that immensely, and Ridge Racer Full Scale. You know, there's there's plenty of them in there. That real bl- uh, that real blend of kind of straight up normal challenges with these mixed in with some tremendous celebrities as well. I think it really made for a powerful and um, you know, really entertaining season. So when I think back at, at some of the best challenges and the worst there, you know, the, the the one that really sticks out to me if I th- close my eyes and think of Series Six, Athlete Kings with John Regis and Tony Jarrett. Those guys brought it. They knew exactly what it was when they stepped on, and they they made that game seem so entertaining. I've got a Saturn, and rewatching that over the past few months, I've, I need to get that game. I need to have that kind of jovial, um, you know, laugh around games, you know, like those guys were having. Really tremendous, wonderful challenge, wonderful guys. Really enjoyed that. And a big shout out to Zoe Ball as well. I think she really bought in, and uh, she was an exceptional challenger on there. Um, probably my favourite line of the series being uh, Dominic commenting that a driver had uh, slipped inside her. Always gets a, a giggle out of me. But then on the other end of the scale, you've got Yuri Geller, and I'd be surprised if anyone, given their feedback, doesn't name that as their worst challenge on, on Mind Drive because I think even if it had been an entertaining celebrity, it would have been hard to make that challenge particularly entertaining. But when you've got um, you know someone like Yuri Geller on there, it's you know it's changed channel heat with me and... Uh, just really, really didn't enjoy it, and it really dragged um, that particular episode down, which which was a shame. But then, if I think of my favourite challenges from the the entire show, you know, outside of of Athlete Kings, Ridge Race of Full Scale, as a as not only a challenge but as a segment on the show, I thought that was complete. The humour was on point. the The actual challenge itself was exciting. It was different being the the full scale unit, so it's great to look back as a, as a time capsule. Um, and just, just everything around that challenge is almost like the perfect gimmick challenge they could possibly have. You know, I wouldn't want it necessarily every episode, but that right there, absolutely uh, phenomenal. And the other one I would give a shout out to is uh, is Martin Mathers on his on his third attempt with Virtua Cop uh, 2. You know, the, the, the dual cabinet challenge. What a wonderful conceit. And if I'm honest, it probably would have been the best challenge had he made it, but, uh, you know, he biffed it. So, you know... <laughs> After UCP Live 2, I can certainly identify with that. And I think, speaking of UCP Live 3, perhaps in the future, I'm hoping I can be Martin Mathers um, version 2, make it one win and two losses, because I don't really fancy being a, a triple biff winner. But anyway, uh, love everything, guys. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll speak together on Series 6. What a bad outro. Bloody love that, man. And he said poor quality audio part sounded great to me. Sounded uh, right to me. Silence removal was the only bit of processing I needed to do on that audio. So yeah, Dave, top quality audio. Doesn't sound like it was recorded in a toilet on your phone. No, top quality lad as well. Um, I'll, uh, we've got some more written feedback, Ash, and I believe you've got our next piece. Indeed, this is from uh, UCP, UCN and Discord regular Misha, who says the set may have sunk, but the show is riding higher than ever. I see Series 6 as continuing the evolution from Series 5, and if one puts the season one and two rose-tinted glasses aside, there's a very solid argument for Series 6 being objectively the best series overall, although my reptilian nostalgia hindbrain still hankers for the consultation zone. I mean, so does ours. We named our sodding podcast after it. (laughs) 
and Dominic hated it. We made a mistake, Luke. We didn't realise how much it was hated when we named this show. But on the plus side, he likes us. So by proxy, he now likes something with the name consultation in it. Anyway, production values high, challenges more considered than ever, and some of the best feature reported yet. Series 6 will always be remembered for the Day Perry incident, but there's so much more to it than that. Had it ended there, it would have very much been going out on a high. Speaking of highs, UCP Live 2.0 was amazing. Congratulations to our glorious hosts and their assorted mod minions, now officially called modlins, just to add an amendment there, for such a fantastic day. Onward to the island desolation and questionable audience setup of Series 7. Yes, that audience that was always there for all of those challenges, promise. I don't know, it does look like a very fun way to watch a show being filmed, especially... <laughs> involving lots of high voltage electrical equipment yeah i i mean i agree with a lot of what misha said there I, I i didn't mention this earlier but i love the set for series six it's so good the production value of that series is insanely good it's really really nice and yeah and i draw i i kind of i completely agree with what dom said that's it was the best idea to get rid of the consultation zone but it's amazing how if you'd have asked me three, four years ago before we start doing this show, was the consultation zone all the way up until the end? I'd have said, yeah, of course it is. It was in every single series of that show. Like I was like, could visualize it in my mind. It was always there, but it was actually it killed off pretty quickly. It was also on reflection. We probably should have watched more of the series before naming ourselves after it, because a lot of the time it wasn't that great. But maybe, yeah, maybe we've brought some honor back to the name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, our next bit of feedback comes in from Andy, who says, hello, Luke and Ash. Originally, I was just going to put this as a Twitter status, but realized quite fast the character limits was in fact limiting me to what I can say. I'm currently 36, so born in late 87. So when Games Master first ended, I was only four years old, a bit too young to watch it then. So my first proper memories of it actually on the telly were probably later on when the show was almost done. Anyways, I found your podcast earlier last year because I picked up a Sega Saturn. First time getting one since getting mine in 97. And I found this set of podcasts talking about the Saturn and PS1 launches and I've loved listening to the subsequent ones ever since. And because I haven't watched the episodes either, I'm really enjoying watching the episodes one by one then listen to the podcast after. I'll be honest, I didn't start at season one, which I probably should have done. I started at season six, mainly because I knew it was the season with the famous Mario incident, which I'd heard about before. And you did the last episode of the season last week, so I'll be starting from scratch soon enough, watching the TV episodes and the podcast after, and I'm really enjoying the book as well. I got it for Christmas. Posted on Twitter, which I think you did retweet. And I've only gotten so far as the start of season two, and I cannot wait to read more. I've listened to the episodes of you interviewing Dominic about the book and love hearing him speak about it. It makes me really look forward to the rest of it. So really, I just want to say thank you to the both of you to, uh, for the fantastic and witty podcast that you've created. Can't believe it took me so bloody long to actually watch and appreciate the show from 30 years ago. Thanks again, guys. And looking forward to more of your shows. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, Andy. I love that people are still discovering us and also rediscovering Games Master, even as we're kind of approaching the end of this original uh, timeline journey. And hey, Andy has 100 plus episodes to go back and enjoy, not only of Games Master, but of us as well. So there you go. I do actually just want to give a nod on that to Marathon Man Nathan in the Discord, who has been listening to our back catalogue at a, quite frankly, disturbing rate, to the point where I am a touch worried about the lad. It has to be double speed, right? There's no way. Nathan, when you hear this, because you're up to speed now, you've got to wait week to week. Were you listening on a speed and a half or double speed? I bet you were, you cheeky monkey, but it's fine. We appreciate you listening nonetheless. I would not be against it either. 
uh, people listening on double speed. I've got no issue with people listening to podcasts on double speed, although I do put a lot of effort into putting those clips in. I mean, I know someone who listens to all of their podcasts triple speed. And in fact, I've actually got a specific podcast app because most podcast apps only do double speed and he it was too slow for him. And he, he listened to it triple speed. um uh we've got another bit of podcast feedback here from kenny uh take it away ash kenny says great podcast as usual gutted we're coming closer and closer to the end of games master looking forward to what you have in store for the future luke we better work that out soon we really do need to work that i mean we've got until i think i can double check this but i think july is when we've got to figure it out by that's when we're on the vinegar strokes of what content we currently (laughs) have planned exactly and uh, and in that i put eight filler episodes so really it's a bit before then no no not filler you taught me this they're not filler episodes they're added value content (laughs) anyway kenny goes on to say as for my feedback for this series i've been playing games since the atari days but this series is where i have my fondest memories of gaming the n64 challenges especially bring back a pang of nostalgia that really is hard to beat i was also coming into my own as a teenager at this point so the lad culture of it all really hit home and really was the style at the time Overall, I think it's probably up there in the top two seasons between this and five. The community has also blown up this series, and whilst my interactions are fleeting, when I do get involved, it's always positive. Anyway, keep it up, lads. Who are Mrs. Diamondism, etc. <laughs> Bring on the desert island. Cheers. Kenny. Thank you very much, Kenny. Lovely bit of feedback there. Also, it's nice to hear people being like, oh, yeah, you know, talking about their, their origins in gaming going all the way back to the Atari days. And yeah, like it's, I, I've, feel like i'm a broken record when saying this but i do feel like in series six is insane in that it was a show built around the n64 for a console that would not be out by the time the show wears off the air absolutely and yeah he mentions yatari there and it did give me pause for thought and thinking about when i was maybe eight or nine and i would go and stay with manan on a saturday manan and my granddad and i was friends with a kid around the corner and that wouldn't have been too far removed from when games master started airing and he did get a nez eventually but he had an atari for the longest time and it, it is weird that actually for a lot of people atari was still where it was at particularly if like my parents you ran off the classified ads it's amazing i got a game boy when i did and didn't just get an Atari. The other uh, bit about um, Kenny's feedback that I find very interesting is this idea of the, the lad culture that's in the show. Because I, when I was watching this in context, I was too young for the, the the lad culture things. And now that I'm watching it for this podcast, I'm too old for it. So I don't think I've ever really found that sweet spot of where, like, maybe it was probably in my like first big rewatch I did of it. I was probably the when I in, when I appreciated the lad culture of it at its most. Uh, but we've got another bit of feedback here from Peter who said. Hope you're both doing well. Just want to provide some comments for your Series 6 wrap-up. Firstly, many thanks for the excellent job you do covering not only Series 6 of Games Master, but as a whole. You've gone above and beyond what's expected of a retrospective podcast to an obscure show from 30 years ago. Not only have you covered the show, but deservedly become part of Games Master. You should both be proud of what you've done and what you've provided fans of the show. This podcast feels more like Games Master than the Revival series did for me personally. Well done, and many thanks. With Series 6 coming to a close, I have similar feelings now to when the show originally aired. Knowing that there's only 10 episodes left of Series 7, it's rather bittersweet to know that this too is coming to an end soon. I mentioned previously that Athlete Kings is by far my favourite episode and was pleased listening to your coverage of it. Regarding the Christmas special, I got the sense that people, including those involved, were a little fed up with it being mentioned so much. Hopefully that's the last it's brought up because it can overshadow with so many other great episodes of the series. Hopefully they'll get talked about more now. 
also the release of the book and a special occasion that dovetailed nicely. If there's a chance to do some more podcasts on other video game shows, I'd be delighted to continue listening. Dumb Bandits, Bits, maybe even When Games Attack could be something you consider once you're done with Games Master. Maybe? You'll never know. I'll finish up by quoting Dom in saying that I guess, with all that said, I should come up with the funniest gag in the history of under console pod feedback emails, but I can't. Thank you again for your time. Best wishes for the future. Lovely bit of feedback. And honestly, I don't think we deserve to be part of Games Master history, but I'll take it. Absolutely. uh, You know, it's not just being in the book. Being thanked in the credits for Series 8 still blows my mind. I still have this moment of at some point we're going to get found out. Oh, yeah. Someone's going to listen to this podcast and be like, well, these two tits, why are they part of this show's history now? Why did you put their names in the end credits? I just realised, technically, we can get IMDb pages now. We were thanked in the credits of a television production. I've already got one. <laughs> no, I don't. I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got one for um uh, for my to well my my crap zombie movie which is also an episode of ucn that we have discussed doing and for a youtube only twilight zone-esque series that i once made Mm, we have talked about that off mic as well and maybe even Mm -hmm. on mic briefly i would like to do some other video game shows either as kind of extensions or kind of like i guess some microtransactional bonus content (laughs) no we're not going to charge for the individual episodes it'd be nice to dip into thumb bandits bits when games attack just just look at it it's just making sure that we've got high quality entirely complete episodes uh, other than the exhausting nature of it one of the reasons we'll never co- cover games world is because in public at least complete runs of it don't exist we have a, a, a google doc that we call the dream sheet that's got like some stats and bits and bobs now but it's also got the episode order so we like work out where bonus episodes are going to go i was a bit bored uh recently so i just started to fill things out um to sort of like you know oh what could be our potential end date currently i've got it as the end of august if we did with a couple of these bonus episodes we've got planned but i did did find all first episodes in completion of bits when games attack and thumb bandits so i thought that might be quite a fun thing to do after series seven as sort of like the bridge between us revisiting series eight almost to look at what tv gaming shows became post games master i'm i mean i'm i I hadn't actually seen that bit of the dream sheet recently but i am absolutely down with that so we have only got one last bit of feedback and it could have only been from our modelings. It was the series that was meant to end the, sh- the run. And you could tell. You could really, really tell that Dom really wanted to just go and wrap it up. Of course, that didn't quite happen. It was the equivalent of slapping Channel 4 across the back of the head, then doing a run. Um, <laughs> but- and then remembering that you forgot the front door key and having to come back. Well, they didn't go, even do that. Me, can you unlock the door and, you they, know, let us they, out? <laughs> they didn't even do that. Channel 4 went, whoever that was, we're so going to get them. Oh, yeah, Games Master, let's renew that. Um, at this point as a kid, Games Master was something I just put on in the background and did something else, whether it was ironically playing a video game or reading a comic. It was always on the TV in the background, but it wasn't an essential view for me anymore. Me as an adult, I really appreciate it. And I have complained in nearly every feedback that as soon as we get to the Dom and his mates era, that I fear that that's me, that's me checked out. I've been really loving it. Me as a grown-up now, I've really liked it. Um, points, I think the reviews, the banter just wasn't there. Because we know what was meant to happen. It was supposed to be um, Rick and Dave. And because 
all of that was supposed to be recorded after the primary primary recording of course dave ain't there no more and it's just not the same rich does his absolute best but that kid who was with him you could tell it's his first time on television agree so so it just doesn't work having said that i've came away enjoying season six a lot more than i thought i would and that obviously the set top notch bloody loved it also the 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 um the fact that the mermaids wasn't just window dressing they were actually fully blown characters unlike mm. the angels you know grown-up me has, has has learned to appreciate games master a lot more than kid me did at this point yeah i like this series and again i think matty's got a good point like he said as a kid he didn't really watch it it was more background i do feel like there's a lot more it's Dominic's mates and it's adults with a bit of adult humour. I feel like it's more kind of aimed a little bit at the tongue-in-cheek at parents while the kids are there to go, oh, buy me that game. <laughs> um, again, I like that there's a bit of a nod back to the previous series. So obviously he asked Wigfield, or as I like to fondly call her, Wigfield, <laughs> to marry him. He did ask one of the mermaids to marry him. And I thought, oh, that's a nice nod to the previous um, series. But again... This, this setup's just brilliant. I like that there's been a theme through each of the ones where Dom's been there, like, you know, we've had hell, heaven, Atlantis. It makes you think, where's he going to next? Um, again, I kind of like that he keeps just falling from places. It's like, but he does <laughs> land on his feet. It, it's been good. Yeah, I like it. And, and again, season seven is one where I've got kind of no insight into it. So I am interested to go know where he goes from you know like atlantis to where's the final destination for dom and the crew <laughs> so my feedback of series six now i'm a bit sad obviously knowing that it's it's coming to an end we're only 10 episodes away from the end of the original run of games master um yeah. but at the same time it's been a great series for me because of the premise of all of these N64 games, the genesis of the N64 bubbling to its surface and then ending this series with the launch or European launch of the Nintendo 64. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of what could be the penultimate, could be the penultimate modeling under mod sortation feedback the original run of games master but that's me the amazing cliff thank you so much for listening this is this is matty signing off be exit to each other for we're all one and toodles sarah you have the last word oh brilliant <laughs> um thanks this is i've been sarah aka pink lithium all be nice to each other cause a little bit of chaos bye a round of applause there for our modlins wonderful wonderful people give them their flowers in the live chat yep and for also for giving us 20 minutes of content that we didn't need to create uh, well absolutely also i really appreciate the audio feedback because it meant i got up to go get a second beer so thank you very much thank you kindly well ash that is it which means it's just time to look ahead to what is the series that should not have been Games Master was supposed to be done. However, Channel 4, as our models talked about there, made an error. They did a whoopsie uh, and um, accidentally recommissioned it for 10 more episodes. Though this is our last 
a series of the original run. It's amazing to think we've, we've come this far, but what are your kind of like thoughts going into the series that should not have been? It's the shortest series since series one. It's also the series I've probably seen the least since its original broadcast because, I mean, it's got a story arc, kind of. They're counting down to being done. They're counting down to this all being over. And they are basically doing this entire series with the knowledge that they shouldn't be there and therefore this will definitely, definitely, definitely be the end. And I think if I was just re-watching it, like not doing this thing, but re-watching it, I'd probably just be like, ah, fair enough. But now I'm also just, I'm sad because... It's been a hell of a ride to get to this point. When we started this, we started discussions and then started recording in the tail end of 2019. And you look at how much we've both been through personally in in those intervening years, how much we've been through as a podcast, how much this world has been through, and we've kept going through as well. And so there's this real kind of melancholy note, and I'm really struggling to separate out the different aspects of that like sadness that we're reaching the end of this original run but also kind of all the associated feelings of the you know the past few years and the highs and the lows absolutely yeah it's going to be a a a weird nine episodes and then you know whatever happens with episode 10 because it is it's i think back to that first conversation that you and i had in that pub uh, in in the the beer merchant in Hackney, where we said, "Well, the great thing about this podcast as a concept is it's got an endpoint." At that point, there was no series eight. We really were just like, "We can, it's we just got a hundred odd episodes, and then it's done, and it's we've got a, a definitive endpoint to this." But that endpoint seems so far away, particularly when series two and three were twenty six episodes each. But like, oh, it'll be, it'll be ages before we get to uh, get towards series series seven or even the end of it, and yet we're here we've got nine episodes left of the original run and yeah you're right that series series seven every episode ends with don being like that's it nine more episodes to go that's it eight more episodes to go that's it seven more to go and so on and so forth it is a show that knows this is it and therefore it is knob gag heavy it's like particularly in the intros with dom and the girl fridays it is knob gag laden so like probably the most in series one of a show that is like we uh, do not care anymore we're not being recommissioned for another series so this is it and it feels like one big piss take uh, and I, I say piss taken i don't mean that's a negative thing it feels like a piss taken a piss up this is literally a group of mates hanging out together and having a giggle. Yeah, and as you said, so many knob gags. More knob gags than the lost property room in Old Compton Street at 3am on a Sunday morning. Just just so many knob gags. Knob gags up and out the wazoo. And I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it because maybe... It, <sighs> I don't know. I'm, I'm looking. I'm hoping that the 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 humour and the piss up content will alleviate my somewhat somber mood going into into series seven. And so, and, and there's some great challenges as well. Mm-hmm. There are some genuinely great challenges and things that I'm really really excited to to discuss and to go over with you. Yeah, there's going to be some great episodes, even though there's only nine plus one. Uh, we're hoping we'll have a returning guest. I was hoping he would have confirmed. 
by the time we went to recording, but he, he's a busy man, so we will wait and see. But I'm hoping we'll be we'll have a returning guest on at least one episode, just to waylay any tweets. Not Dominic, but um, but yeah, and I'm I'm excited to get started because we've got one episode which is what happened between seasons. And then we're just cracking on into Series 7. And I'm really excited to start recording those episodes with you. I am in agreement with you as well on that, that I, despite the fact I did watch it in context, it's the series I remember the least about. And I think it was really interesting reading the book that there's not a lot of chat actually about Series 7. It's really just about Series 7 happening and what it meant to them as individuals. Obviously, there's a bit of chat about because we've got some debuts on the show. They they changed the way the reviews are done. It actually is officially a two-hander now, both on set at the same time with Rob Wood and Richard Pitt. The return of um, Helena Tepper to the show as well. But really, the Series 7 chapter in the book is mostly just people being like, yeah, we knew it was a series that was coming to an end, so we had fun doing it. There's no, like bits on specific challenges so it's going to be a fascinating series to watch because clearly the people making it weren't really thinking about the show as a concept more just about what the show means to them and maybe that will be reflected in how we cover it because yeah it it, we're going to be saying goodbye to a lot of elements and uh we've occasionally got a bit emotional doing this podcast and I imagine no matter whether it's just us by ourselves or whether we do something like this, I imagine that end of episode 10 is going to be quite an emotional time because whatever comes after that for us, it's the end of an era. Like it's Certainly an end is. of an era of this podcast because any Games Master Week content we do from that point on, bar more episodes from Channel 4, we'll be revisiting stuff we've already talked about. It will be retrospect on a retrospect. There will be no more first conversations about a challenge, about a joke, about a celebrity. And just to go back to a point you made earlier, about that initial conversation in the uh, the, the brew house, tab house, or whatever it was near your workplace. Um, yeah, we said, like, we got an end point. It's great. At that point, we'd talked before, we'd seen each other at events, we'd exchanged tweets numerous times, this, that, and the other. We'd never recorded word one together. And there was a distinct chance that we would not work together in the sense of, you know, we'd be fine to be friends, but we wouldn't be able to produce interesting content together. I don't think either of us ever vocalised that possibility, but I'm sure at some point in the back of our heads, there was that worry of what if we don't get on as hosts? Because What if this sucks? Yeah. What if we don't enjoy it? Yeah. And and actually, this might be easier if we weren't enjoying it. Because actually, as it is, it's a case of we want more. 150 episodes isn't enough. But thankfully, as we have proven by chunks of this this episode that will probably get cut out and by everything from Ghostbusters to Eurotrash to EastEnders, we can talk about almost anything. We'll always find a way to make something into a podcast. That's the title of the next podcast. You'll always find a way to turn something into a podcast. But I think that is going to wrap it up for this episode, the Series 6 Feedback. Thank you all who have listened to this. You all rule. Thank you to everyone who's joined us in the live chat for this as well. A bumper two and a bit hour record that we've done for this as well. So thank you all so much for your uh, incredible uh, enthusiasm uh, and efforts. Everyone who sent in feedback, we always appreciate hearing from you. And we will see you in seven days' time. You can catch us on social media or on Twitter at underconsolepod on 
Instagram at under.console. And you can send us an email, perhaps get into your feedback early if you've already watched ahead to feedback at underconsultation.com. And if you want to join us in real time, if you want to chat with us, with other listeners, with the mods, with other fans of Games Master, retro gaming, retro pop culture, you can do so over on our Discord. You've heard from a bunch of our Discordians tonight in the feedback section and in the audio feedback as well as the written. It's a great place to hang out. And chances are the early word on what we're doing after Series 7 will probably drop there, even if it's by accident. And if you want to support this podcast momentarily, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod, where you'll get access to UCP Extra, which is this show format, but about other TV shows in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, as well as Under Console Nation, our monthly community podcast. If you're back to the £5 level, you get next week's episode one week early and ad-free. And if you're back to the £10 level, you get a little bit extra. Ash, what is that? Oh, at the £10 level, they get a glittery golden under consultation joystick waggler mug stuffed with sweeties retro trading cards retro sweeties stickers badges all that good stuff which we bundle up we put in a box and we hope you don't live internationally because currently russian hackers own our mail service but if you're in the uk you might be okay unless we send it via every, in which case you piss out of luck. Uh, also, just a quick shout out because Matty Boo has just pointed out in the chat there, the next uh, under consultation uh, Discord get-together is watching Chopping Mall. So if you've never seen Chopping Mall and we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, now is your time. That's what we're going to do. Cold reboot. We're the Dick Miller cast. The Miller <laughs> cast, if you will, talking about all Dick Miller movies all the time but mainly chopping mall uh, we can turn anything into a podcast and a shout out to those 10 pound backers zach zanderthal william tom the amazing cliff super sexy david fisher simon selena sean richard retro fun for everyone reese retro fun for everyone a second time phil nick misha matty boo mark link kylie kevin joe trigg joe mitchell jamie ian ian roberts i am cheadle harriet mangagel gordon dempster gordon brands david white david palmer chrissy two sticks chris price arcadia while bill andrew alexis adam adam d colin paul and andy crikey there's way more names in there than there used to be and we love each and every single one of you we'll be back in seven days time for our series seven prelude episode take care everyone good night Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.